Welcome to the Self-Belief Podcast, where we talk with people who have great influence in the Metro Detroit business community. And this is our Season 2 wrap-up episode. Woohoo! And uh, we've titled this episode, The Lessons from the Last 20 Minutes. And the reason we've titled it that way is because we've often found, as we talk with our guests about their story, we get some uh, really good information in the last 20. Now, that's not saying we don't get good information in the first 20, but often they're setting the stage about their story. And then once as they get into the interview and become more comfortable, that's the last 20. <laughs> so Jordana just headbutted the microphone there. It's been a long season for her. <laughs> uh, but that last 20 is when they uh, feel more comfortable and they'll open up and they'll t- talk about some more personal issues. And you, we kind of feel you get some more raw truths, shall we say, in that last 20. A hundred percent. People feel like they finally they're comfortable enough with us and they're like, oh, I'm just going to share everything. Yeah. I mean, you know, not their deepest, darkest secrets. I mean, sometimes we just cut it, though. That's true. That's true. Um, but there have been some great business lessons and uh, in the last 20 of personal experiences. So we've gone back through some of the episodes and picked out some of our favorite bits um, and some of the best lessons shared in the last 20 minutes of the episodes. So I'll start with one. Um, we've had many great guests in this second series, many great ones lined up for the third series. But um, one of the, the guests was uh, Tom Willis, and he's just published a book, and he is uh, a consultant, goes into businesses, helps them with their cultures. And he was talking about leadership on a number of levels. And one of the questions I asked him was, you know, I heard a, a you know, saying that leaders lead people and managers manage things. And I was asking him, how true he felt that that quote was. And uh, here's, uh, here's his answer uh, to that. So leadership's all about putting out a future. Um, whether you call it vision, mission, purpose, you know, BHAG, um, North Star, we don't, we don't particularly care. Some consultants get super fired up about those are things are different. We actually don't think they are terribly different. They're all about the future. What's the future you're going for? So that's leadership. Then along comes management. Well, management is getting people to make promises to do things. Not because you made them, but because they want to. Which is why leadership is so important. Because if they don't want to, if they're not aspiring to it, then you can't get them to make promises. Right. Unless you that makes a, sense. Unless you have a fear-based culture. So management is all about managing promises, not people. What, does that, what do you think of that, Jordana? I thought it was great. Honestly, I feel like... He definitely really set his culture and he's really goes into businesses and he really helps them kind of transform. And I feel like he does an amazing job with that. And I feel like he's kind of what leaded towards the rest of our season, like other people, like, for example, Ken Lear, like for Ken Lear's episode, like he hit a chord with me. And it was interesting because he was the first guest I interviewed with you. And he was so interesting how, like, basically he was going through life and he did everything. And then he had to have a reality check of, like, his wife said, like, are you going to do it or not? Or I have to explain to the boys after his father died and he went through that and, like, how he got up. And he was like, in the face of adversity, you still have to stand up and you still have to move through it. And you still have to do your job at the end of the day. Yeah. I mean... Definitely, you got to think about the future and lead. Sometimes when you get into that day-to-day and you're not planning the future, it's 
you, you lose sight of your vision. And, you know, Tom's, Tom was all about recentering in that vision. And like you said, with, with Ken, he kind of got stuck in the, in the mire of the day to day. He had a lot going on. And, you know, his wife helped him recenter on the future and, and the leadership he had. Um, yeah, both of them, you know, great lessons on leadership. And I, and I liked what Tom said about managing promises. Yes, <laughs> you know, um, that's key. Yeah, you got to have, you know, I guess the phrases buy in from people. But once they're bought in and to your vision for the future, they're making promises of actions that are working towards it. It's also like for also Ken's episode, like success surrounds with success. That's kind of the same theme as Tom. Like you have to surround yourself with successful people. You have to around, you have to surround yourself. Not necessarily successful people, but like people with a successful mindset. Yeah. And another uh, point Tom had that we've kind of quoted between ourselves since, and we were just doing it this morning when we were looking at our calendars, is uh, Tom's definition of being busy. So let me play <laughs> that for you. We're all trying to fill this unfillable hole. Yeah. And it gets back to where we started, which is that we're not enough. But if I stay really busy, then I don't have to think about those sorts of things. Very true. I don't have to, I don't have to face who I am in this world. Um, because I'm so busy. Um, I just learned that busy comes from a, a Dutch-English word, bezig, that roughly approximates the word anxiety. So mm. think about that. It's fascinating, right? What, what do we say a lot of times in our society? We're so busy, but We're like... so busy. So, yeah, that's kind of been a little mind shift for me. I don't Now I don't say I'm so busy because in my mind I, I know I'm saying, really, I'm so anxious. I'm so anxious. So I try not to say it either, but, you know, I just said it this morning. But I, the problem for me is I need a new word. Give me a new word key for busy, and then I'll be good. My, my calendar is full. Okay, uh, Keith, my <laughs> calendar is very full the rest of the month. Okay. Try to schedule with me. That's right. Yeah, no, it's just you can be obviously busy, but I feel some but people use it as a nothing. crutch, right? Yeah. Exactly. It's like you're busy feeding your dog, but like really are you busy with a content shoot? Are you busy getting clients? Like Yeah, it's one thing to say as you're going through your calendar, yeah, I've got a packed calendar, I'm very busy. It's another when you just say to someone, Oh, what are you going on in the next couple of weeks? And they're like throw their hands up and they're like, I'm so busy, I'm just packed, and it's like a generality. <gasps> That's my new word. Packed calendar, thank you. There we go. Packed calendar, packed calendar. But if you hadn't had a chance to listen to Tom, I would uh, definitely recommend uh, as we take a little month break between series two and three uh, as one of those to go back through. He's got so many great leadership and management points in there. Uh, now, the other one, as we're talking about business, is uh, I got a little quote from uh, your episode, Jordana, um, which I kind of found interesting. is, is when... Um, we talk about people running businesses, and I remember when I first started running my business, um, not Regal, before that when I was doing you know, business-to-business sales and I was kind of like building my own business within someone else's company, it was kind of stretching my brain and I kind of felt I, once I'd seen that growth and that room for opportunity and the ability to control my own destiny, that it was going to be hard for me in the future to work for anyone. And you made a point here talking about now your mind's been stretched running your own business in the future. I don't think you could work for anyone else. I definitely could not. Really, owning a business is very hard. 
And also, I will say, I always tell these people, owning a business is not for the faint of heart. Just because you see you and I doing it every day doesn't mean everybody can do it. Some people, it's just not right for them, and they should be working for somebody full-time. Personally, I don't know that I can work for somebody after owning my own business. This morning, I was at a networking meeting, and then Keith said, wait, we're doing the podcast earlier, so I was actually across the street. And I was like, you know what? Let me just give my pitch anyways. So I told a room full of people what I did and what my offering was, and I was like, the person next to me will give you my cards. So you never want to miss an opportunity. I've also learned that owning my own business. Yeah, I've, and I think owning your own business is nice to have control because it's not being a control freak. It's just, you know, what you do, you get rewarded for. So the more you put put in, you know you're going to be rewarded. Um, no one else is holding that reward in their hand for you. You are. So exactly. what, what you put in, you get out is generally the rule. Exactly. And it's also the same with your episode. Like, you worked very hard to get where you were. Like, after, like, when you were doing soccer and then the guy didn't pay you. Obviously, it happened a little different than that. I'm paraphrasing. Sure. But anyways, so then, and then you were like, you worked for a landscaping company, and you're like, you know, I'm not going to give up. I'm going to make this work. And, like, you you found a way to make soccer work. So it's like, really, you have the drive. And, like, with every, all our other speakers or all our other guests, you have the drive to really continue and go forward. And you were able to say, okay, this happened to me, but I'm not going to let it affect my future. I'm going to keep going, and I'm going to keep moving. And, like, you had a lot of adversity you face but you made it out and it goes back to community and relationships we talked about on the podcast yeah i mean i definitely feel fortunate if i hadn't built a relationship with the person's kid i taught in alabama he wouldn't have offered to sponsor my visa yeah i mean in many situations i knew other coaches who at the time were like oh yeah i'm going to go back and try and figure out what i'm doing because i don't have you know a visa planned out for next year but you know, I was very determined to stay here and make it work. I was enjoying life in America, and I felt going back to England, while I love England, would have been starting back at zero, and I didn't want to do that in my mid-20s. And Yeah, yeah. I mean, that makes sense. It kind of takes me to Terry's episode. Like, basically, he was like, show up and appear, attract and be clear, connect with others. And, like, he also had to coach himself out of a black hole as well when he didn't, when he thought he just wanted to give up. So it's like, really, I feel like the season, also a wrong community relationship, is also about... What happens in the face of adversity? Yeah, I really liked Terry's episode. He had many great points and about moving forward as well through adversity as we've talked. But sometimes you can get stuck. And I thought Tori had a great point talking about sometimes people just search for perfection yep. and they get stuck. And uh, I like the way she phrased it here. I fold clothes constantly so my folding is going to look different than your folding but i don't want you to get stuck on the fact that mine looks perfect and you want yours to look perfect because perfect is the enemy of good i want this to be functional yeah so she makes the point that perfect is the enemy of good and you've got to do what you can do to be functional Exactly, and I think that's super key, even, like, about Tori. Like, she started this as a young age, and she didn't think this was an actual job. So it's like she made this work. But even going to Merck's episode, like, he said, make sure you can make a living on what your passion is. And I feel like not everybody's passion they can make a living on, but if it is, if you're passionate about it and you have enough drive, really, you can get there. And, like, really, people's businesses, at the end of the day, it's not always about... It's not always about luck. It's about your passion and your drive. So when we ask people this season, are you lucky? Um, it's not that you're lucky. It's that you put so much hard work into it. I was talking to a listener the other day, and they said, don't you think you were lucky when you started your business? And I said, you know what? 
I was lucky when I started my business. I'm very thankful. I had my parents to fall back on, but I also think it was my drive that really got me where I am today. Yeah, I know we've talked about that before. That's often a question I've asked, whether it's in a pre-interview or during the during the recordings about, you know, when was a time you had luck? And it's always been quite interesting how people have answered that. Some give more credence to luck. Some, yep. some more just own it with their hard work and as I think I may have said on another podcast, uh, to me, there's no wrong answer. It's just interesting how people do that. I mean, I think it definitely is true. The harder you work, the luckier you get. But we all have situations you have to move through. And ultimately, when you do get those moments of whatever you call it luck or opportunity presents itself, you have to be ready to take those moments. Yeah, it's like when, when Mark finally, he was in Atwater, and then he finally decided to give up his automotive business. And he was like, okay, I'm going to go for it. Like, he had to. He, 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 as he said here, like, he made a lot of mistakes. There's a lot of cooks in the kitchens. But just to touch on something you said about, you know, is your business actually working for you? You've mm-hmm. got to really take a look at it sometimes. In the Frank's episode, he made a really good point. He was so concerned on the product, he didn't actually focus on the business itself until he, he had to. And here's a clip about that. We were winning best coffee shop, best tea shop year after year online and all of that. And one day during some Jewish holiday, we we're just having a conversation, my wife and I, and um, realized, you know, we're not making money. We're losing money. Mm. We're not paying ourselves. Sorry. And um, it's an awesome business. Everyone loves us. It's the best coffee around. So, yeah, he's winning best coffee shop. He's um, got great wholesale accounts, but they're not actually making profit. And that's that's kind of what you need to do as a business at some point. And uh, that was a great check. And they uh, refocused and uh, changed some of their um, practices. Instead of allowing some of their wholesale accounts to pay them whenever they want, they had to be more strict on how they received their payments and kind of not let other businesses take advantage of their good nature. Exactly. And that's so hard. Like, I mean, as a business owner, I've raised my prices over the last like seven years and it's not like an easy decision but like if you really want to be successful you have to raise your but you have to raise your prices and also you have to learn you can't work with everybody and the people who are going to want to work with you are willing to pay those prices yeah i mean believe in your business believe in yourself and charge a fair price don't undercharge don't overcharge and there may be a period where you have to work out for a couple of trials and errors of what the right price is but it's definitely important like they said they they were forced kind of by a religious holiday to take a break and during that break they looked at things from a you know a higher perspective you know um, what's the word yeah 100 foot view and they were able to see everything better and make those changes exactly i mean that kind of goes on to victoria's episode like she left her corporate job where she was making a lot of money she didn't know how much she was going to make as a dog trainer and then she started having her training camps and her training lessons and like yes she does charge a fair amount of money for her training camps, but it is worth it. And it's like um, all these businesses, they're all looking for a certain caliber of people and a certain caliber of people who want to pay those prices. And I will tell you, in every single business, there is somebody who is going to be willing to pay that price. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you provide the right products and the right services, yeah. customer service, relationships are key. The community relationships, people are going to pay your price. Yeah, and a lot of these businesses have grown through word of mouth. So 100%. providing the right service, but then creating the right relationships with people to pass that out as well. And then putting it on social media, you know. That's, that's right. That's kind of key. That's right. <laughs> and 
<laughs> I, I would say having the, the, a great payment system as well, but you know that's that's not always helping spread your business. Exactly, but it, it helps I, your business. Exactly. And uh, but I will say. Um, uh, one thing I've loved about the podcast is we've had a variety of guests. They're not all business owners. Um, we've talked about Valerie before. She was on season one, but she came back in season two. Valerie heads up the Conviction uh, Integrity Unit of Wayne County, making sure that um, people who are innocent get a fair shot of uh, having their case revisited. And one of those people was George Clark. He was unfortunately in prison for 17 years and came out. And uh, when you really listen to his story, there was so much to take from it for me. And whether it's from just life in general or you can apply those business lessons. And just the way he mentally was able to keep hope and not, he had so many um, false dawns from a co-defendant getting retrials that you thought was going to hopefully lead to them both being free and that getting dashed. And then he was released. And then they made him, whilst they were reviewing everything, come back to jail for another 10 months before he was finally released. I mean, a lot of those kind of highs and lows were the broken people. But one thing I liked um, that he talked about was a certain strategy, and here it is. Yeah, it was. But I had to, this is like playing the game of chess. Not the game of chess on the board, but the chess game of life. My decision is I knew that I was innocent, and it was no way I was going to make a, a move or listen to some idiot and be on the run. So, yeah, he, there he makes the reference to the game of chess, and I've often tried to think like that as well. You have to, if you haven't played chess or if you don't know why that's a strategy, it's, you have to think not of what move you're going to do, but what that move will lead to three, seven, ten, twenty moves down the road yes. and what the knock-on effects of that move are. So is your strategy just there or is it about a bigger thing? And then you have to have your eyes wide open as well because you may be thinking of a move that will lead in six moves to you getting a checkmate, but you're so blinded by your um, sequence of moves that you've got in your head, you don't see that Jordana's got the same thing and she's blindsiding me and then going to checkmate me in four when I'm actually thinking of checkmating her in six. So Exactly. I mean, I like chess. I'm certainly no grandmaster, but I like, I like the analogy of it because I think it's very important to have that bigger picture in mind. And if he didn't and he was so attached to every high and low, it would have broken him, I think. 100%. I feel like that's like, it's like everybody interviewed. Like everybody, you have to have a plan. You have to have what's going into the future. Social media, you don't just post a ghost. You have a plan. With everybody's businesses, whether you own a business or you work higher up, you have a plan. Yeah. Yeah. Any other thoughts from season two, Jordana? No, it's the, oh no, I really love season two's guests. And like, we know, like, it really actually, I had a really tough season um in life i would say the past three months and i feel like definitely the podcast definitely inspired me to keep being motivated and keep moving forward because i've had a lot of a lot of proposals out and people haven't been saying yes lately but you know what it's like you hear all these people's stories and it's like you know something better is coming and you just have to have the drive and the hope and push forward and i feel like we learned that all the season yeah you can't get too attached to every proposal you put out there yeah. you gotta do your best and if it doesn't work, then move on to the next and have lots of irons in the fire. Exactly. As they say. So to wrap up season two, um, obviously there was quite a few episodes to go through. We, we picked out a few mini bits here for you, um, but I encourage you to go back through. And one of the things that I've liked and we've tried to do is different verticals. So 
hopefully it's not all about the actual business. It's about the person's story and lessons learned. So try not to just listen to an episode because you like the business, like the mayor of Troy, if you're interested in politics or being in office. Don't just listen to it because of that. Listen to it because of his story. And hopefully you'll find it more interesting. Like Lee, she runs six bra shops. Mm -hmm. That's not my passion. But I found found her story very interesting. And I liked actually how... um, how she was challenged when we were talking and she talked about reevaluating what is weak and what isn't weak as she kind of is hard on herself and then tries to you know, praise herself and kind of is dealing with notions of what was weakness growing up to now understanding what, what isn't weakness, what you can allow yourself to do and what you can allow yourself to praise and criticize yourself yeah, for. It's like as Justin says, like you look at it, like your tolerance for risk grows. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But one of my takeaways from the season was definitely, exactly, not just hearing people's what they do, but, like, hearing their stories. And, like, I would have never kind of heard a lot of these people's stories because I would have been like, oh, they do this. Like, they don't have very much to share. But, like, everybody has something to share. And everybody, I feel like I took away from every episode at least one inspiring story to be like, okay, like, this is going to help me in my world. Not even help me in my business, just help me in motivation level. I think that was, like, very, it was great. And, like, I feel like even Terry's Bean episodes, he gave us good advice about our BNI 30-second pitches. And I did my presentation, which you were not there for this past week. And it went really well. And, like, I took kind of what Terry said. And, like, I think that it kind of gave me, at least I think that this podcast gave me more confidence. Yeah. Yeah. I really uh, tried to use some of the lessons learned. And there's been some great guests for that. And we're going to take a month off now in March. And we're going to come back in April. We've already got some uh, really great guest book that we're going to be interviewing with. So, if you haven't had a chance to listen to some of the episodes and uh, a board one day in March, go back through and pick out someone you haven't listened to. Yeah, so we have a dog trainer, a professional organizer. We have the mayor of Troy. We have people who own different businesses. We have some sports in there. Andy yeah. and Dan. We have Andy and Dave. We have Ryan who does real who does real estate. We have kind of all different people, and like you should definitely check out our guests because they all have great things going on. Yeah, and our last guest um, was Lee Smith, the senior executive VP of Flagstar Bank. And uh, I found Lee's story interesting. I've known Lee for a while, but, you know, he didn't get into banking in the traditional way. He came from another industry, but really helped grow the bank through people leadership and working as a team with the president of uh, CEO of Flagstar. And they've done a great job growing that that bank and you may see now they've all got new um logos at their yeah. location because they've merged and they did a big rebranding and uh, so check out lee's episode that um, went live at the end of this uh, in the february yeah.